Hello and welcome to the Points of Brew podcast. It's episode 43 and I'm your host, Stephen Carter. In this episode, I'm joined by Paul Spraggett, or Spragier, the head brewer of Orbit Beers based in London. Orbit kindly reached out to me when I was asking the question about sour beers and offered to send me two of their renowned offerings, the Zatziki Sour and their Basil Sour. Paul talks me through their history and reception and gives me a brief glimpse at their now-released Apple Pie Sour, the latest in their sour series. Paul goes on to tell me his brewing history and how the Zatziki Sour is a revitalised beer from a since-deceased brewery which he used to work for. I really enjoyed Paul's company and I must admit I must apologise for the delay in releasing this podcast as it was recorded quite a while ago. It was recorded a couple of days just before my son Seb was born, which was a couple of months ago now, so I must really apologise for the delay in getting this show out. But massive thanks to Orbit for sending me these bottles, and also Paul joining me on the show, and also them bearing with me on the release of the show since Seb has been born, as it's been a tiring couple of months, needless to say. I hope you enjoy it, and even as an on-cucumber fan, I can highly recommend the Zatziki Sour. It's a great summer drink, so if you see it out and about on your travels, I highly recommend it. Don't just take my word for it. Here I am with Paul now, who will tell you more. Right, so Paul, thank you very much for joining me on the Points of Brew podcast. How are you doing? You okay? Hey, Stephen. Yeah, thanks for having me. I am doing well. Had a uh, quite busy day in the brewery making a kettle sour. Um, but it's all gone well. Uh, so yeah, I'm here having a beer talking to you. Excellent, excellent. Well, what better day could there be if it's gone well, and especially if you're making a sour, which that is the reason we are chatting this evening, Paul, but we'll come on to that a little bit more in depth um, as we get into the show. We'll, we'll start a bit more broad and then we'll get a bit narrower into the into the lovely world of sours and all things Berliner Weisses and, and indeed what else later on. Um, but Paul, before we get on to your role of the brewery, um, as, as you are the, the brewer, as I introduced you uh, as, at the start of the show, um, Tell us, can you give us a brief uh, history and rundown of Orbit beers in general, if you could? Yeah, sure. So uh, Orbit, we are a, uh, a brewery uh, based in Woolworth in South London. Now, if you're not that familiar with kind of London geography, uh, Woolworth is in South London. It's basically in between sort of Elephant and Castle, Kennington. Um, okay. and Camberwell's in that kind of triangle kind of there. <laughs> um, we are a <laughs> cliche London craft brewery because we occupy some railway arches. Um, you know, uh, we started off in, when was it? 2000 and what year are we in now? I want to say 2014, I think the brewery started. Yeah, because we were having our eighth birthday this year. So yeah, um, with like one of these railway arches uh, started off. Um, and then it's kind of over the, the over the next kind of eight years, we've grown quite slowly. Like we took on the second arch in like 2017 or so, which is about when I joined. Mm-hmm. Um, and now we've expanded. We're in, we're in four of those arches all next to each other. Yeah. Oh, wow. Uh, yeah. Like uh, last year, um, we actually took on the two railway arches across the road and we opened up uh, like a, a dedicated tap room. Uh, space in there so yeah yeah it's it's, uh, it's going really well we're um we focus on a little bit different to most kind of craft breweries because we have like a focus on on kind of like european like continental kind of beer styles mm-hmm. um like our, our main beer we do is uh called nico uh which is a kolsch like a a, a cologne style kind of lager ale hybrid mm. okay um yeah so we kind of rather than sort of you know 
throwing our hat in the ring and doing loads of massively like hopped kind of IPAs and stuff like that, which we have done in the past. We we tend to sort of sort of focus on these sort of kind of European styles. And also I'm really also into um kind of quite esoteric, kind of maybe like forgotten, kind of dusty old styles that don't mm. really get made anymore. Yeah. Um so yeah, I kind of like to uh sort of dig those kind of things back up again. Yeah. Yeah. I, th- I think as as much as the the, the haze craze has taken over the the sort of the entire industry in terms of you know your big juicy New England's East Coast inspired um, hoppy really highly hot beers. I think there is still a calling for those um, both obviously European inspired beers like you are, but the 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 historic you know digging into the archives and looking back and you know recently we've seen breweries coming back and taking recipes from the past and things um, you know um, so I think there'll always be that call because it's nice to almost remember where beer has come from and not leave it to sort of dwindle and sort of die off in the archives it's nice to sort of keep those those styles and and beers in particular in in production where possible yeah yeah definitely i mean i i don't i I don't want to put across the idea that we're we're kind of um like sort of stuck in kind of like dusty old history kind of corner yeah yeah, yeah. i like i don't you know I, i i like to think that we put kind of like a modern kind of like take on these things mm, and yeah. i certainly wouldn't i'm certainly not a, a kind of like a traditionalist or kind of like purist when it comes mm. to these kind of things They're like oh you know if you're doing this kind of this old beer style it has to have this kind of thing it has to be that way it's not proper i mean <laughs> one of the beers we're going to drink tonight you know it's like a, a tzatziki kind of like sour beer you know that's that's certainly not a traditional kind of beer, uh, beer style it's definitely got a modern spin on it mm. um so yeah i like to i just find it really interesting like to you know the idea of like i mean you do a bit of kind of research and digging around you hear about these old kind of styles and how how these beers were kind of brewed i know like a hundred maybe even like 200 years ago or something yeah. you know and then to kind of take that and take inference from that and maybe brew something that hey might you know it might taste a little bit like something that somebody was getting pissed on like 200 years ago <laughs> that's pretty cool i think you know yeah yeah yeah, yeah well, this is it because it is obviously we have no idea how those beers tasted all that time ago and indeed you, you can't even hope to make a beer that would taste like it would because these things mm. have changed over time the ingredients and water profiles and mm. everything has changed for, for obviously the better thankfully but yeah like you say to put that modern spin on it and to make something that like you say could have been what everyone was uh, getting absolutely leathered on you know 150 years ago is quite <laughs> quite exciting but it's, that's part of the beauty of it like you say is that you mm. can take these recipes and you can put your own spin on them and with different ingredients and new hops and all new hop varieties coming out constantly and da, da, da. and like you say that there are styles and parameters for certain styles but within those styles you can experiment and you know you can make that style different to what people might expect it to there's no rule book is there you can just sort of add things and take things away and change them as, as you seem fit and just want to have a play about can't you really which is I guess is kind of the the beauty of it yeah absolutely um I, I as a as a brewer i think the the day that i kind of like lose that that kind of like playfulness then you know mm. when, when you're just kind of like dialing it in it's like oh okay we're, we're making a stout so let's dig out like the the bog standard like you know regulations how to make a, a decent stout recipe mm. i don't know maybe that's the, maybe that's the time when you know you should look look find something else to be doing <laughs> maybe because maybe you kind of like lost your inspiration a bit so yeah. Yeah, always want to keep want to keep my keep myself like on my toes, you know, by mm. by sort of trying these new things. Yeah, well, this is it, and, and using different ingredients, like you say, it's 
keeps things fresh, keeps things new, and there'll always be somebody somewhere that's used a similar or the same ingredient. You can always seek inspiration from or advice from, and again, that's that's the beauty of this world that people are willing to communicate and openly speak to each other. Whereas in other businesses or industries, they're probably like, nah, sod off. We're not, we're not giving you hand. We're not, we're not going to speak to you or give you as recipe. Whereas in this world, you've, you've always got that choice, which again is part of the, part of the beauty of it. And you can always just reach out on social media or ring somebody up and say, have you used this before? Or yeah. what do you think? What do you, what do you think about this? Cause I suppose being a, a soundboard as well for ideas, I suppose sometimes these ideas can, potentially get out of hand and you just need that bit of a, a steer to say that that might be a little bit too far actually mate that one yeah. yeah absolutely yeah absolutely I mean talking about going um a bit too far I've I've got um on my phone I've got like a little kind of notes kind of app thing mm. and I keep like I keep like a just this log of like kind of ideas I get for kind of brews and beers and stuff like that and yeah I mean, quite a lot of them get, you know, get added to when I'm maybe I've had a had a few too many, you know. And <laughs> you go, I go through it, and I've kept it since I was, I mean, since I I was kind of brewing at like kind of weird beard and mad hat like years and like like eight years ago or whatever. But going mm. through this list, like I look at it and I'm like, whoa, yeah, that was that's a re- probably a good idea that we never actually like went and went and tried and made any, any of these beers because <laughs> some of them are pretty out there, <laughs> you know. In the cold light of day, you look at it and you're like, yeah, I kind of. You know, a, a black pudding like blood stout made with the brewer's own blood. Probably not a great idea. Yeah. But, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> There's probably some rules and regulations and laws <laughs> preventing that somewhere. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, but um taking it back to obviously the um the European and continental aspects that you that you said, Paul, about that's where you seek inspiration or the brewery seeks a lot of its inspiration from. Mm-hmm. What was that there prior to you starting? Was that was that from the the ownership or did you bring that in with you have you brought that to you since you you joined at a later part of the brewery's journey um yeah that's always been there like right from the start when when orbit started as a brewery back in 2014 um it was set up um set up by this fella called robert a uh, scottish guy um who uh he uh, i think he's working like banking or insurance like a city kind of job like that mm. but he he kind of had dreams of doing something sort of uh, something that he kind of loves and had a passion yeah. for so he uh he he's got this like a um, what are they call those old vw camper van things you oh, know, from, like, yeah, yeah. he's got one of them uh, i think it's called might be called brian i think <laughs> <laughs> and he basically got in this uh camper van. he's from scotland he went and toured around uh like all the tour around scotland basically and mm-hmm. uh visiting every single brewery in scotland right you know a lot of people do the do the tour and they go and visit all these distilleries and stuff but he mm-hmm. he visited every single brewery basically including all these little tiny breweries like out in the you know the highlands and the the islands and stuff like that um and yeah he came back and was like really inspired by it. i was like I'm, I'm gonna start up i'm gonna start my own brewery why not you know um I mean, that's um, the dream, is it? Not yeah. to just touring around and drinking beer. Surely that's just the dream, is it not? <laughs> Absolutely, yeah. So, yeah, that was the thing. He's like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stop a brewery. Uh, unfortunately, he didn't, well, not unfortunately, but Robert didn't have any kind of a brewing experience or knowledge or anything like that. So, hmm. uh, so hired hired a couple of people that did know about that. Um, and, yeah, it was. I think it was, um, it was a conscious decision when the brewery started up to... Um, to, to, to yeah to sort of focus on 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 these kind of less on the, the path kind of less traveled a bit you know mm-hmm. yeah. um because uh, i think that there's um it's definitely something to be said for these these kind of like these, these beer stars they tend to be uh a bit quieter like a bit dialed down a bit more you know there's a bit more mm. kind of um 
a bit more subtleness, kind of a, a sort of a bit of a refined hand with them, you yeah. know, kind yeah, of rather yeah. than yeah. Um, which I, I was really happy because when I came, I joined. So yeah, I mean, let me tell you about my brewing career then. So yeah, I started in like. Uh, I started brewing at the same time as when Orbit basically started in like two th- beginning of 2014. Okay. Um, so I started off. Um, I was I was running a pub in Walthamstow in East London. Um, get a bit disillusioned with it. I was like, oh, but I, I I was really really into craft beer. I've been into craft beer since like 2009, 2010 or so. Um, and I really wanted. I just thought I really want to be making the beer rather than pouring it. You know. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. My friend, uh, Daniel Vane, uh, they know him uh, from Twitter as Grandmaster Tash. Um, he was brewing for Weirdbeard uh, at the time, which was a, uh, which is, well, is, I say, was a brewery based over in West London. Um, they had a job uh, going as a brewery assistant two days a week. So I was like, yeah, cool, I'll try it for that. Went, got on really well with the guys there. Uh, they like me, so got the job. So I was doing five days a week in this pub in Walthamstow. And then on my two days off a week. <laughs> you were brewing. <laughs> all the way across London. But yeah, I didn't really have that much. I didn't, I'd, I'd done a few home brews, you know, mm. not, nothing that was drinkable. Like my first home brew literally tasted like cat piss. So, <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, I didn't have that much experience. So I was learning on the job. And I think like two, about three months into the job, they were like, hey, if, if you want a full-time job, will take you on and basically train you up on the job to, to, to brew and learn how to brew. I was like, fuck yeah, I'll do that. <laughs> yeah, take, take it with both hands and run. Absolutely. So I've gone from there. I went uh, from, from Weirbeard. I went on to Mad Hatter, which is a, a brewery up in Liverpool. Moved up to mm-hmm. Liverpool uh, for a few years up there. Um, then moved back down to London, worked at Four Pure Brewery. Um, okay. So that was like the complete opposite of Mad Hatter. Mad Hatter was this tiny little uh, brewery making all these crazy, like really out there kind of beers. Mm. Um, and then moving to Four Pure, that's uh, on the kind of the large kind of production sort of scale mm. of, a, of a kind of brewery. You know, and it was really, I think it was really good for me to get that that difference between kind of really kind of creative, like, lo-fi independent kind of brewery and then like mm. a big production yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, size brewery and then yeah that was 2000 end of 2017 beginning of 2018 i uh, got the head brewer job at um uh, orbit which kind of brings those together really that that, that, that kind of like creative like mm. independent kind of thing which i'm uh is really close to my heart i, I certainly wouldn't want to work for like a big like multinational kind of corporate kind of brewery mm, but yeah, yeah. what i picked up from four pure was the you know from those big that big sort of production brewery you you learn more about like sort of quality about consistency um about like mm. how a how a de- how a brewery is run you know yeah um, yeah well that's yeah. it like you say the contrast between all three stroke four breweries that you that you've been at there like you say you've seen all ends of the the spectrum and in between haven't you from like you say the the small breweries where you're probably having to do everything by hand and digging out mash tons by hand and what have you whereas you go to Scorpio and everything's probably mechanized and a few presses of buttons and it does it for you or was it was it still it was yeah when I was there it was still like a pretty much a fully manual kit Uh, it was a it was a big fuck off kit it was pretty big And we were brewing on it three times a day, like oh, wow. five days a week. 
but it was all manual and the, the mash tun was ridiculous it's like mm. you know most mash tuns have like a uh, it's called a manway, like a little door on the front, a little yes, hatch yeah, yeah. kind of open. And you can you dig it out through there, mm. like into a skip or a bin. Mm. The mash tun at Forpure didn't have one of them. It's basically just like a massive, great big, like 5,000 litre cauldron. Mm. Um, so to dig it out, this is weird. You had to climb in it. So you had to get a ladder in, climb in it. So it's got all this really hot, like grain sitting in it. <laughs> and you had to you had to dig down like you like mm. you were kind of like trying to it's like the great escape you're trying That's to escape tunneling down yeah, yeah you yeah. had to tunnel down with the shovel <laughs> until you got to the bottom and there was there was like a a 15 inch diameter like plug like a like a bath plug mm. and you pulled this out you pulled it out the bottom and then you'd shovel start shoveling all the grain down this plug hole and it went into like a waste pump that pumped it outside whilst you were standing in this steaming hot like mm. <laughs> grain it, it was seemed, hell. It seems was like hell. a bit of a design flaw. You'd think they might put it on yeah. the outside, not the inside, wouldn't you, really? Exactly. It was yeah. horrible. No, I, I imagine yeah. it's... Yeah, but even still, like you say, from from the... Even if it was a bit more manual than sort of automated, like you say, the, the scale, I imagine, showed, showed you sort of a good insight into how to scale beers up and how to mm -hmm. run a, a bigger brewery and wide distribution, I imagine. So I'm guessing they were just on the cusp of becoming a much larger entity at that, that sort of that sort of time so yeah it's, it's good that you've had that eye-opening experience like you say from from digging out something that's uh, rather unpleasant and trying not to get swallowed up by uh, some <laughs> boiling uh, leftover grain and then so what's so what scale are you guys at, at orbit what what are you dealing with the the kit there um so we've actually just um expanded actually um mm. like right at the beginning of this year we installed a new uh brew kit we basically we, we we used to have the brewery in excuse me in one of those railway arches uh, mm -hmm. it was a it was a it was a an old manual kind of 10 barrel kit that's the kit that we'd had since the very beginning mm. um uh, we've kind of made some tweaks to it and kind of made, probably sort of managed to squeeze about 12 barrels uh, 12 mm. and a half barrels out of it so that's like kind of you know we had like double size fermenting tanks so we could brew twice and fill one of these tanks out mm -hmm. um and we had like how many we had nine eight, we had like ten nine or ten of these tanks you know so mm. we were putting out quite a bit of beer uh, but that was literally that was the absolute limit we couldn't couldn't do any more than that yeah 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 um, so yeah we took the arch next door and built a uh, a much bigger brewery it's now it's probably about twenty two barrels so a single brew on that can get us like about about three thousand nine hundred four thousand liters of beer. Excellent. Um, and we're brewing well the, the plan was to sort of start kind of slow like get the new brewery up and running because mm. um, yeah we planned this originally like this is before covid um, yes, yeah, yeah. The, and we were i remember i i planned it all out and we i was literally about to call up uh this company called malrex who, who fabricated and made like all the brew kit for us mm. um and say hey yeah, go ahead let's make this kit um and then two weeks later uh the lock lockdown hits first lockdown so we put it on pause and i thought okay that's it we, it's never going to happen we kind of missed yeah. our chance now um but yeah we were very very lucky we we're very very privileged and and lucky that uh we we got through like covid and the lockdowns mm. um and came out the other end even kind of kind of stronger than we were and like decided in 
like September last year. Yep, we're going to go ahead and do this brewery expansion. Mm. Yeah, yeah, that's great that you've like you say that you've survived and still been able to to do that. So were you already still get were you already geared up for a small pack in terms of bottling before COVID? Then did you already have that distribution arm available to you to utilize when you couldn't obviously send it out to to pubs and to trade? Yes, we did. Uh, I mean, like all breweries, we kind of we had to sort of pivot a bit and sort of go yeah. to sort of you know uh bottling all over yeah we've got a little um i say little it's a it's it's yeah well it is a little bottling line we've got so uh, made by this company called maheen which are based over in the us um it's kind of all made out of like perspex and steel <laughs> this thing it looks like some like mad like homebrew scientist like mm. with a degree in like engineering built it uh, <laughs> uh and it, it's kind of on wheels and you just kind of you you know, you wheel it out from the corner, dust it off, clean it down, <laughs> plug it in, and then boom, start going. And we're still using that now. Mm. Like, um, uh, got a real love-hate relationship with our bottling line. It's uh, um, it, it kind of, sometimes it feels like it's operating you, like it's playing you rather than mm. you're kind of operating it. You know, this thing. Um, yeah, yeah. You're never yeah. quite in control. No, but um, yeah, I got to admit, our focus because before, before the before the lockdown we were selling uh what's the split it was a lot it's probably like 80 or 90 percent of our beer was sold like in kegs basically mm. Bef- like and it was also sold lo- locally as well like in london um so making that you know we don't really use we don't really use many many sort of distributors we don't send much of our beer outside of london mm. um and that's that's still the case now actually um I, I'd say like 80, probably probably like 80 or 90% of our beer is still, probably 90% of our beer is sold mm. within London, probably delivered by ourselves as well. We've got a great delivery driver, Chris, who just zooms around London five days a week, sort of slinging all our kegs out. Mm. Um, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, think, I think there's something to be said for that, though, isn't there, in terms of locality and, and you know, people only being able to get your beer in, in, in that local area of where you are. As, you know, mm. it'd be great to have your beers left, right and centre across the country, but that obviously brings about with its problems using distributors, deliveries, couriers, damages, returns, da-da-da. And in some respects, I, I see it sometimes when I go on holiday to Cornwall quite frequently. There's a couple of breweries down there that you don't really see anything out of outside of Cornwall. And I, I kind of mm. like that, do you know what I mean? They're sort of hard and set, well, we don't need to. You know, we don't we don't need to go further afield. And it sounds that you're in a very similar way to that. And if you can mm. sell the vast majority of your beer on your doorstep, you know, like you say, if you can hand deliver it and sort of cut out a middleman or a couple of middlemen, then why would you sort of look for, you know, like I said, it'd be probably nice to have them further afield. But mm-hmm. if you're already servicing a, a massive demand where you are, then you must be doing something right in the local area, surely. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I think it's it's quite important, like to me, like from a uh, almost kind of from like a, a bit of a, a kind of like ethical kind of point of view in the fact mm. that um, I, I really like sort of keeping our beer kind of quite local. Mm-hmm. Um, like for me, I what I really love like I, I love traveling, going abroad. Now I get low, I get massive inspiration from uh, like in brewing from sort of traveling and trying like kind of local kind of breweries in yeah. in places far away. And I love that. I love the idea that you can you know you can travel and you can go away to like a it doesn't have to be a different country i have the idea of like going to a different like a different place in 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 this country Mm. and you know you go to like a a local pub there and like all of the beers there are from like breweries like locally and Mm. it used to be the case that 
even styles were like that as well like you know yeah, like yeah. if you were you know you go to like different places of the country and and brewers will be making certain sort of styles you know I mean? mm. um and that's kind of i mean it's great now that you can go to pretty much any city in the uk and walk into a beer bar and they'll have you know they'll have like cloud water from kind of manchester they'll have like verdant like from cornwall they might have like uh like a pilot from sort of edinburgh you know like mm. and you can get beers all from all over the place. that's that's great um i'd certainly think we're very lucky and very privileged to live in the time you can get that but there's also something that i think you miss if like because everything can become a bit homogenized mm. if you if you go into every craft beer bar like, in the country and you've got pretty much the same kind of like usual yeah. suspects lineup yeah, i do yeah. like the idea of like yeah like hey if i go to manchester i want to walk into a pub and like all the beers are from local manchester breweries you mm. know and if we go to bristol it's, like all the it's kind of yeah i do like that so that's definitely something that we like we kind of hang on we want to kind of push with our brewery that was a big part of setting up the tap room as well mm. you know? um uh we set that up and what i love about our tap room is that it's it's open it's open like wednesday Wednesday through to Sunday, close Monday, Monday and Tuesday. But like, I finish like a day's brew, go across the road, like into the tap room at like six o'clock in the evening or whatever. And it's always the same kind of people. There's always the same people in there. They're, they're, they're literally locals. They're people that literally live on the street that the brewery is yeah, on. Yeah, yeah. Um, and you go and you say hi to everyone, you know everyone's name and then you know, you'll see them like walking down the street to get my lunch or whatever, and you'll see all the people that are hanging around. Hey, hey, hey! Like it's proper, like proper local. You know, which is yeah, it's yeah. a really nice feeling. It feels like we've, we've got like a little little local community going, which is lovely. Yeah, I think that's something that's been lost over sort of generations, hasn't it? Sort of pubs have died and gone, and working men's clubs and that, like you say, that spirit of that local, and you could go in any day a week and you'd be able to identify the same pocket of people or whatever day you know so and so be there and what they'll be drinking and how many drinks they've had and da 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 and and I think that 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 has been lost in in a lot of respects hasn't it in a lot of places without as, as like the pubs have gone and these you know like yours aside mm. that sort of tap rooms have come and and little villages have lost the little individual places and things and it's nice to, to to get that back and I think like you say that is massively driven by the fact that well if I want their beer I'm going to have to go there. I'm not going to get it anywhere else. I'm just going to get it from there. So I think that that plays into into your strengths massively there. So I think yeah, exactly. Yeah, I I blame capitalism and globalization. <laughs> yeah, all the the oh, usual yeah. suspects. Yeah, the usual suspects. Sorry, is it is, is this a beer podcast or a politics? Podcast? It could quite easily get into a political <laughs> podcast if we go into the rising cost of everything. I think we could go go down a very you know very steep and slippery slope into uh, a political podcast but yeah it's uh it like even that you know like you say if you can save any costs where you can and that, that obviously that distribution arm is a, is a huge cost saving um uh, method there that you don't have to worry about then obviously it's gonna help you uh tick over nicely for for as long as possible and the foreseeable future hopefully in the light of what is at the moment, quite uh, uncertain circumstances, but uh, yeah, yeah, very. Like I said, we're we're very very lucky, uh, or a bit that we've we've got through this uh, and come out kind of stronger. I don't, mm. uh, you know, I don't want to sound like kind of you know like kind of bragging or anything like that because mm. certainly not. But yeah, I mean, it's pretty sad times. Like, I, there's qu quite a few like small breweries like 
basically biting the dust and having to having to close at the moment. Um, and I think we're seeing I think we're seeing like a bit of a delayed reaction from mm. from those lockdowns. This is like where you know breweries have really really suffered and really been hit hard by that. And we're only just starting to see the knock on effects from that now. Um, yeah. And my, yeah, my you know we had um. Uh, was it got friends uh, beaten it's Republic uh, announced they were closing mm. like uh, a couple of weeks ago uh, you know we were before lockdown we were we were due to sort of head up there and do a, a Belgian double like beer with them like brew a uh, brew a collab and stuff and now mm. you know they're gone uh, and I don't yeah. think that's going to be the last I think we're going to see unfortunately I think we're going to see quite a few more over the yeah. next few months yeah well, I've seen I've seen murmurings across social media today about certain breweries that look like they might be struggling or teetering on the end uh, of the edge which you know it's, it's a shame that that is going to be the case like you say it's 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 sad and like you say i think we are just now seeing the the impact of what the last two years have had financially on both businesses and people as well you know we sort of had a sort of a brief period of people have got a bit of spare money because they're not spending on anything else and now everything's got more mm-hmm. expensive it's the opposite yeah. end of the spectrum is that suddenly people don't have any spare cash and that's the that's the the backlash of that after a sort of a bit of a boom it's almost like a a lull in, in proceedings but fingers crossed uh, most people will be able to weather the storm but like you say i don't think we've um unfortunately seen the the end of people uh, losing jobs or closing breweries which is uh always sad to see but uh but yep. yeah i think we're uh i think we're going to see a few more along the way in the in the coming days and weeks unfortunately yeah definitely unfortunately yeah. i mean i mean thinking about my my kind of employment history like, <laughs> i'm a bit concerned because like uh all the like basically weird beard where i started off at they closed down they've gone now mad mm. hatter closed down like like what two and a half years ago three years ago i think mm-hmm. uh four pure got sold out um to lion beverages i think and mm. i think their lion beverages are i think are looking to sell They're looking them. to get rid of them as well aren't yeah they? so that wouldn't I mean, who knows? What, I hope, fingers crossed they don't go, but God knows what's going to happen with them. So mm. I wonder if I've got like, you know, it's like I, I leave a brewery and then like it goes down the toilet. <laughs> a couple of years later, they're like, oh, they just like wilt on the vine. And, yeah, oh, yeah, it's horrible. Yeah, I was so. going to say it's not. At least it's not when you join. At least that's the, yeah. the good thing. At least it's the the other side of it when you've gone. They sort of fall apart, not you oh joining God, yeah. and it all crumbles. That'd be much much worse. So I oh, imagine that. Yeah, like every every brewery you work at, like. You, finish your first week and oh that was really great and they're like oh sorry to let you know we're closing yeah yeah exactly exactly if you stay put mate you'll be all right if you stay where you are you'll be absolutely fine fingers crossed touch wood right so paul the reason that we have joined this conversation this chat this evening is obviously about orbit and and the beers you produce but more specifically as we mentioned earlier it's the the sour beers that was uh, that i was pointed in your direction of as i was looking at and still i'm writing an article and featuring many different breweries for sours across the uk as i look at the the broad scene of sours that we we have in this industry so Mm, cool. you, well, is that is that an article you say? Where's yes. That, yeah. Where's so that I'm going to uh, so I'm going to self publish it myself, but I'm going to sort of feature different breweries in there, including yourselves. I might do a couple oh, subject nice. to how many I can fit in there, but I'm releasing all these chats as uh, individual podcasts as well. So I've already chatted to a couple. Um, I spoke to Brewery Ock and Pastori. Um, they did a collaboration mm-hmm. recently, so I spoke to those guys whilst they were up uh, on Friday. Um, and I spoke to Danny and Tom from Little Earth Project last week as well. So, oh, yeah. Oh, um, cool. Yeah, and I'm intending, hopefully, to tie 
uh, Vault City guys down eventually to a chat at some point, but they've been very, very busy recently uh, with their new core range that they've just launched, which again is a conversation with them to speak about the the nice. uh, the, the market of sours. But um, specifically for yourselves, um, I was pointing mm-hmm. your way for your uh, Zaziki sour. Um, oh, so, cool. Paul, do you want to tell us a, a little bit about it and we'll even try one whilst we're chatting? Yeah, sure. Um, yeah, Zaziki sour. Um, it's it's a beer that uh, I, I will say needs no introduction, but that sounds really nice. <laughs> so I, I won't say that, and I will give it actually an introduction. Um, yeah, Satsik Sour. It is a uh, a cucumber and mint sour. It's kind of uh, it's kind of like a based on a Berliner Weiss mm-hmm. kind of recipe, um, uh, but soured using the um, the lactoacidophilus uh, bacteria culture from uh, yogurt, okay, uh, from natural yogurt. Um, so yeah, it's it's a beer that um, I kind of kind of quite well known for kind of as a brewer. I started brewing it back in my days when I was at Mad Hatter Brewery up in Liverpool. Okay, uh, I think I brewed it first in summer 2015, um, and it was basically. Uh, I, I said earlier, I kind of get inspired by kind of uh, like food and drink and travel and trying kind of different things in different places. And yeah. this was um, basically that summer, 2015, I early, like late spring, I went to, uh, went on a holiday to Brussels um, and visited like a Cantillon brewery for the first time okay. uh, and tried like a, all of their kind of like a lambic and kind of sour kind of like mm. beer there. And then in the summer, uh, I went on holiday to this Greek island called Simi, uh, which is like right of uh, right off the coast of kind of, of Turkey, like really far from the Greek mainland. Mm. Um, and I kind of got back from my these holidays, and the bosses at Mad Hatter basically it was run by um, Gary <laughs> Gary <laughs> Gareth and Sue, um, <laughs> who. Uh, owned the business um i'm also partners and they went away on their summer holiday for three weeks somewhere and we're like oh we're going away for three weeks just brew whatever you want basically for three weeks i'm like oh cool uh, so i came up with this idea to sort of meld my influences from my two like holidays that i've been on like the sour mm. uh the sour beers that i drank in kind of like in belgium those lambics and stuff and um th- and oh my god like the the satsiki that you get on the uh, like on this Greek kind of simi it's like it's served at every single meal like you don't yeah. even order it like you just sit down at the restaurant and they just, just come get and it. <laughs> they just slang sling you like a bowl of this like the most the freshest like zingiest kind of uh satsiki um and yeah and i was drinking like a lot of um a beer is very very situational like you know mm. the, yeah, yeah. Uh, a beer is like the best beer for a certain situation is not going to be the kind of beer for another situation, you know, like, so for instance, like when I was on, you know, when you're on holiday in a hot Greek island, you know, you, you don't want to be drinking like, I don't know, like a, a, a double dry hop, like IPA or something, even though it might be an amazing beer, it's not what you need. In that yeah. You need something refreshing. So I, yeah. So I was drinking a lot of Mythos Lager. Uh, <laughs> when I was on holiday. <laughs> so Satsiki Sour, it almost became like a, like a cute it was almost a cucumber and mint like sour lager which okay. which would have been terrible and i'm so glad i didn't go down that route um 
yeah so uh, i just had this idea of it's one of those beer it's it's the first beer i ever made where i i came up with the idea for it and i'm like those two flavors like you know the the, the tzatziki flavor but then the sour flavors like they would really go well together and i i kind of like start designing it like on a bit of paper you know you just write jotting ideas down mm. like, oh how can i get these flavors what ingredients can i use what kind of like techniques can i use what kind you know what kind of process can i use to get it you know and i'd only been brewing for like kind of two years or so at that point and mm -hmm. and i kind of like wrote it all out and designed it all on paper and then kind of made it and brewed it and it was the first beer that i ever did where i kind of designed the recipe and wrote it and then when it came out and it finished and i tasted it and i'm like fuck that is that's exactly how i expect like wanted it to taste you know mm, yeah. um and it's the first time i brewed a beer when i was like oh i'm actually I, I, maybe i'm not an imposter maybe i'm actually kind of not too bad at this thing i'm like, all right you know. at this yeah, yeah yeah exactly yeah <laughs> um so yeah so i brewed it there we it was we were quite well known for it mad hat and then mad hatter unfortunately i left there and unfortunately they they went out of business and i was like oh it'd be it's a real shame if we kind of lose that because it's pretty it's a pretty idiosyncratic kind of beer, you know, pretty distinctive. Mm. Not many other people make tzatziki flavored beers. Yeah, I've not seen one before, so. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So yeah, I thought I'd re I thought I'd resurrect it. I got in touch with um, uh, Gaz and uh, and Sue at Mad Hat and said, you know, is, are you okay? For I know because it was a, yeah, it's a Mad Hat beer, even though I kind of come up with it and brewed it there. Is it okay if I take it over to Orbit? And they were like, yeah, sure. So yeah, we resurrected it at Orbit. Mm. Um, and yeah i love it uh i think it's the perfect again perfect absolutely perfect like summer beer uh tastes mm. really good um you know in a, a garden kind of like barbecues and kind of grilled mm. meats um it's very light refreshing zing you've got the the zinginess there's there's no bitterness in there whatsoever there's barely yeah. any hops whatsoever um we use um so the, the Berlin of Ice thing, basically, the Berlin of Ice influence comes from the malt bill. It's uh, it's pretty much like 50% uh, pills, like lager pills in the malt, 40% um, mm -hmm. wheat malt, um, mm -hmm. and then a little bit of uh, a little bit of oats in there as well um, to give it like a slightly kind of creamy body. Mm. Um, we, 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 we kettle sour it. Um, so that's... Uh, that's a process where you get the beer in the in the kettle, you get the wort in the kettle. Um, mm -hmm. Add add a, a souring agent, probably like a form of bacteria to it. Control the temperature, leave it in there for a few days until it reaches like the desired kind of flavour and and sourness, and then bring it up to a pasteurization temperature to kill off all the bacteria, and then mm -hmm. treat it like a normal beer, like ferment it with like a normal yeast, like mm -hmm. from there. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I I learned that uh, learned that technique actually. I know you're saying you're saying earlier about um, uh, how the craft the kind of craft brewing industry is like pretty well, unique. I mean, it's it's good by the fact that it's very collegiate. Like knowledge is kind of shared a lot between kind of brewers. Um, and this thing here, I was like, I wanted to do this sour kind of beer, and I got um, uh, Matt, who was the uh, the head brewer at Hawkshead. Okay. Um, at the time, if you remember them, um, he had just released a beer. I think what's it called? I think it's called Solar Sour. Um, mm. That was like a three percent sour beer that he had soured using yogurt. Mm. Um, 
and I'm like, oh my god, that's absolutely perfect. Like you know, like to, that you know, yogurt is like one of the you know the key sort of ingredients of satsuki. Oh, yeah. mm. So if I could like use, oh, no, oh. so you know, all the cogs start falling into place. <laughs> so I, I just reached out to Matt and said, hey, like, what's this thing I hear about you making a beer, like souring a beer with yogurt? And you know, he could have just been, he could have just, nope, you know, not not sharing my trade secrets with you or anything like that. But no, mm. he was like, told me all about it. He's like, I'll send you an email with like absolutely step-by-step process mm. this is how you do it you know shared everything um and yeah <laughs> that's how i did it uh I, I remember like going down to um because the first batch we brewed at mad hatter it was mad hat was a really small brewery um like each batch we did was about 650 700 liters like really okay. small um and i worked out that i would need about a kilo of yogurt for every hundred liters or so, yeah, so I probably need about about seven kilos of yogurt to sour this beer. Mm. Um, so I remember like going out to like on my uh, going out to like all the, the local kind of shops in Liverpool town, like Liverpool city centre, trying to find the is it uh, Farge, uh, the the Greek yogurt, because mm. <laughs> it had the right type of bacteria in it. Um, and I was hoping, I was thinking, oh, I'll just go and you you get, I'll get like those big like kilogram like sort of catering big tubs of them yeah yeah couldn't find them anywhere so i was just going around like every like little shop buying like the Mm. little tiny like pots of it like and i'm like have you got any you know go up to the counter with like 24 or like have you got any any more of these out back and they're like no so i remember this guy's got a serious yogurt problem (laughs) (laughs) you know yeah so these people like what does this person want with this yogurt for so there's some of them would ask what do you need Mm. with this yogurt for and explaining it like just made it even worse. It's like, yeah, I'm, I'm making a beer. And I need to make it sour, so I'm going to put loads of yogurt in it. Mm. And they'll be like, okay, this, sure. There's more questions than <laughs> answers right now. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. So yeah, uh, we soured it using yogurt. It takes about um, it takes about two about two two three days for that 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 bacteria to kind of do its thing and sour it down. Mm. Uh, then we bring it up to pasteurization temperature, about ninety degrees. Don't boil it very important um berliner vices are very rarely boiled um so that gives it that 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 gives that malt that sort of weak character and kind of that bready kind of like character mm-hmm. sort of come through um then i ferment it um using a neutral owl strain mm-hmm. you don't want much flavor from the yeast there um then yeah uh pretty simple we put cucumber and mint in it <laughs> like literally that. <laughs> yeah literally we uh get loads and loads of cucumbers uh run them we've got like a big like catering juicer mm. uh at the brewery and we just set it up and just shove through like fucking what is it the last batch we did like 80 odd kilos of, of cucumbers jesus in it. Like, yeah. it takes about <laughs> it takes about four hours to juice them all um it's a long day <laughs> It's, it's a, yeah, it is. It's a long. It's a long day. It's a messy day. But I found that that's definitely the best way. It just gives the best flavour. Like we, for a while, we were like, oh, this is this is too much. Let's try using like um, uh, you can you can buy you can get like big like twenty five kilo bags of like uh like frozen like uh, uh cucumber like cucumber, juice. Cucumber, oh, yeah, it's, yeah. it's juice. Yeah. Oh, okay. Because uh, obviously, like people probably, you know, I don't know, companies might use it in in like making their sort of smoothie juice drinks or something mm. like that. And we tried that, and the flavour just wasn't just wasn't right. Just wasn't the same. wasn't mm. as zingy and as bright. Um, so no, juice cucumbers all the way, uh, and then yeah. spearmint. Get the spearmint, and we just 
basically treat it like a dry hop. Uh, mm. Put it in a, a big, uh, a big like kind of mesh bag, uh, and then steep it like a cold steep it in the in the beer um, mm. for a few days until it's got that. Uh, taste it, you taste it kind of three times a day until it's just got that that right level of of mint in there. Mm. Yeah, uh, yeah, and then and then the secret the secret touch we dry hop it with a tiny bit of tiny tiny bit of citra, mm. um, and a German hop called Polaris as well. Okay. Um, but yeah, you got to be really careful with the mint that that mint edition. If you leave it in there too long, it 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 can start going a bit menthol-y. Mm. Uh, like I've I've we've done a couple of batches of it where we haven't quite got the mint at the right time and it's to me it tastes a little bit kind of toothpasty yeah yeah yeah. mouthwash like mouthwash toothpaste sort of thing yeah Yeah, but this one what do you think about this one you think the balance between the cucumber and the mint kind of work for you yeah so i'll put this out there to start with i'm not a huge fan of cucumber and like (laughs) cucumber on its own i'm not like i'm not a fan of i think it's devil's work and like yogurt and mint (laughs) dip and like tzatziki I, i i can eat it in small amounts and the balance has to be there right for me that it can't be too cucumbery but at the same time i think like say mint i think if it's too overpowering it can mm. it can detract away from the overall um experience and flavor and be quite dominant but that is you know if you didn't tell anybody what that was you give them there and it's like well it's like drinking tzatziki because it is you know you've got everything there you get that almost a bit of sourness and, and dryness from the from the yogurt but then that cucumber hits but then for me personally, that cucumber is not too overpowering because the mint just cuts through before it gets too overpowering because it's that cucumber, like that cucumber flavor doesn't hang around too long. The mint cuts through it quite nicely. Um, it's a very, it's very, very light, very clean. Um, you know, it's very, you know, the the sort of dryness I feel like is coming from the the sourness given by the yogurt. But mm-hmm. I, I know for a fact that if she was if she wasn't pregnant, my, my wife would love that, and I have got a. Uh, another bottle of this which you guys kindly sent out to me but yeah if i gave her that i know she'd she'd lap it up because she she's been to greece she loves mm. cucumbers tzatziki dips all that sort of thing you know chicken gear or she loves that if, if she drank that she'd be she'd have that all day she, she'd oh. su- she'd sup it dry yeah you know what Stephen? i we i find that quite a lot with this beer with tzatziki sour it seems to be a beer that people that don't like beer very much really like it mm. you know um like you know when it's whenever it's on tap at the tap room you know we've got the tap badge there satsiki yep. sour people come in and they'll see it and they're like satsiki satsiki beer what, what what's that you know? yeah. <laughs> and they're, they're kind of intrigued by it and quite often people are well i don't really like beer very much you know but i'll mm. give that a try and yeah they love maybe maybe it's the fact that it's got like it's got next it's got basically next to no bitterness in it as well mm. yeah, yeah and Maybe like you know, most most beers have quite a hefty chunk of bitterness in to balance mm. out the sweetness, don't they? Yeah. Whereas yeah. whereas with this, the sweetness of the malt and, and that is is balanced out by that sour that sour tang from the. Mm. So yeah, maybe that maybe that could be it. Yeah. Well, like Anna's not a a huge beer drinker, she, you know, by her own admission and, and our experience. She she normally drinks gin quite a lot and um, mm. uh, cider if we go out. That's usually her. Yeah. Uh, 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 tipples of choice but I think like you say going from drinking things that are quite sweet or fruity like a, a flavoured gin or a, or a fruit cider jump into a sour beer I don't think the transition is too great like you say because yeah. if you give somebody that they wouldn't even think it was beer 
like you say, you don't get the bitterness or the multi-character or the, like you say, you don't get, it's not overly sweet or anything like that. And it's quite light and it's quite clean. Yeah. Um, and probably from, from a lager drinker's perspective, again, from that sort of clean and crispness that you might get from it, like you say, with it being um, quite a clean uh, body and beer, even a lager drinker might find it as a, an easy gateway. And the Blinnerweiser is almost the, mm. the gateway style of sours, isn't it? You know, you'd probably say that's the, the entry sours or even, you know, alongside maybe the really heavily fruited ones, but it's not like a, a Cantillon or et al that yeah, is going to yeah. like red wine and quite vinegary and quite acidic and all those notes. It's going to just turn your face inside out. Like you say, yeah. give some of that on a, a hot day outside in the summer. They'll, they'll drink that all day. Yeah. It's certainly not a, it's certainly not a complex beer. You know, it's not, it's, it's not, you, you might see it like the, the idea of it, and in your brain, you think, Oh my God, that's going to be really weird. Like all over the place, you know, kind of, all these kind of flavors these that probably shouldn't belong in a beer mm. but when you try it it just kind of it just kind of works you know like the it's not aggressive it's pretty it's actually i think it's quite a subtle kind of beer like the mm. you know the because cucumber is a very delicate flavor and it's not a weird thing to have in like a beverage is it like uh you know pims, you said, you like, cucumber yeah, and pims, pims and things uh, don't gin, you and... gin as well you, mm. you know you said your partner was like a gin drinker a Hendrix gin traditionally has like cucumber in it, doesn't it? So it's like mm. a, you know, it's and then yeah, it's it's a very very balanced, very kind of like subtle kind of thing. Mm. Yeah, uh, yeah I love it's, it. No, it's very interesting. It's very like I say for me when I sort of saw it and I was like, ah, tzatziki cucumber, not been a massive fan. <laughs> I was like, oh, how cucumbery is it gonna be? And oh. but no, that that I could quite easily. I, I would happily drink it again if I saw it because I'd love to try it firsthand. If we ever get down mm. to your neck of the woods, I'd, I'd love oh, to try it firsthand. Welcome. But um, but yeah, it's it's an interesting. Uh, I think you said it's not complex, but I think it it, it is in some respects because you get the the flavors of each, and I think you get that journey, that nice sort of start, middle, and end that you mm -hmm. some beers don't miss. You know, in particular, I love the really heavily hopped hazy beers, but you don't really mm -hmm. get a, a journey with that beer. You just get loads of fruit, but you don't get a, a start, middle, and end, which I think I think mm. you do with this beer. But um, yeah, um, cool. but one one thing that you <laughs> one thing that you touched on there is one of the things that I was sort of. Uh, going to ask as part of this article or this string of podcasts that I got is that, like you say, it's with these ingredients, people don't really think it's beer and people don't treat sour beer as beer and mm -hmm. it is beer, but it's almost, it's almost yeah. like it's not beer. So like from your Absolutely. experience, how, how do you convince people to, to sort of try sours and how do you sort of, do you find that there's a, a growing market or it's a harder sell? Is it, you know, how, how, do you find your sours go overall in terms, like you say, this is one of your best-selling beers, but apart from that, your sours in general, do you have a have a tough sell or do they usually sell pretty well? Um, I think that, you know, I think the sour beer is, it's a tough sell for people that are very established in their ways and their tastes and maybe people that come from, uh, have a more, traditional kind of like base of like what they like in beer yeah. you know uh, might find it more difficult might mm -hmm. not find it very appreciable simply because especially let's say somebody who is somebody who's kind of um foundation in beer what they kind of like is kind of like a traditional kind of like cask kind of lead kind of like mm. beer drinker mm -hmm. sourness is is not a is not a flavor that's used not, it's not even present in that kind of palette of like mm. uh in fact if you take if you detect kind of sourness in like a traditional kind of cask beer it's a sign of an off flavor it's a sign yeah. that 
either it's an old cask or the lines are dirty or it's infected or something like that. Mm. So I definitely see that with people that come from a, a more kind of yeah traditional kind of like background with their tastes, they literally do turn their noses up at it. Like they taste mm. as soon as they as soon as they taste that sourness, they're like, oh no, this is this is something wrong. wrong here. There's something wrong. <laughs> so and it's almost like the it's almost like the shutters come down. It's like bang, nope, we're not, you know, we're not, we're not going here with this. It's there's something wrong with it. Mm. Whereas um I actually think that it's it's a very sour beers, it's a very approachable thing if you're not a traditional beer drinker, if you're not really into beer, like we just said, you know. Mm. Um because number one, you don't have any kind of like, you have no sort of uh, uh, flavor kind of prejudices or anything in your palate yeah. to begin with. Uh, so you kind of approach it with that kind of fresh uh, kind of viewpoint. And yeah, they're quite often, I mean, yeah, the, the difference between like Satsique Sour here and yeah, let's say like a, you know, a, a Cantillon or a Fontaine and like Lambic is is miles different you know it's, mm. they're they're very very complex kind of beers that you really have to uh you really have to sort of dig into to kind of like really appreciate and they can be quite challenging as well whereas mm. they're a quiet think, taste i think yeah absolutely yeah but a, a light sort of kettle sour um with this not 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 aggressive sourness but a a, a bright zingy kind of tartness to it it's I just think it's 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 a really pleasurable thing and it's fun to drink like the mm. first time you drink it it's like I mean I don't know about you but I absolutely fucking love those um what are they called those like uh chewy those like chew it kind of sweets that are like mega mega sour mm. um, yeah, yeah. and like as soon as you start sucking on it it almost makes your eyes water and your <laughs> mouth starts like your saliva just starts going it's like whoa it's like it, it's a fun sensory like experience to drink a sour beer mm. Yeah, yeah, um, definitely. Yeah, in the same way for me that I, I that's what I love like crazy, insanely like bitter, like kind of like West Coast IPA styles, you mm. know, that like 130 IBUs and stuff. Just because yeah. you drink it and you can almost feel the enamel just like peeling off your teeth, yeah. it's like so bitter. You're like, whoa. <laughs> yeah, you yeah. Know. yeah, it's not for everybody. Either, either one is it like you say, either one of those two is not for everybody, like you say, bitterness, mm. especially people who, you know, hardwired to not enjoy bitterness. But I'm the same with you, yeah. is, is that give me a, a, a bracingly bitter West Coast IPA or West Coast Double Light, whatever it is, just give me one of them all day that, you know, and I'll, mm -hmm. I'll drink the, the one of those till the, till the cows come home, you know, until <laughs> yeah. I wobble over. But yeah, it's um, yeah. like you say, it's not, not to everyone's, uh, not at all. To everyone's like, taste, but... Well, well done. Well done for, you know, for trying it as well. Cause I know you, you it's, it made me laugh when you, you said that you weren't, you know you were you didn't really like cucumber that much wasn't into the flavor of cucumber but you still went ahead and tried it which i appreciate you've got to try everything um, once in this world mate surely it's, yeah. it's like you say it's fun that's what it's about isn't it even exactly. even if you don't think you're going to enjoy something you've you've, <laughs> you've got to give it a go yeah you've got to give yeah, it a my, go. my favorite um I, hey when i was a younger naive less less sort of experienced brewer i used to read my own untapped reviews mm. you know used to go on untapped and scroll through and oh like what are people saying about these beers that i've made i don't do that anymore because it's mm. uh it's a fool's errand it's a minefield <laughs> isn't it it's a minefield yeah. but my favorite one i ever saw was like when i brewed satsuki sour um and it was very very short very succinct review um and it was the review um satsuki sour um tastes like cucumbers i hate cucumbers zero stars <laughs> 
Mm. I'm like, well, you probably shouldn't have drunk it. Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, because it does, it do, literally does what it says in the bottle. Yeah. It's like, it's a cucumber flavored beer. Like, yeah. don't, apart, apart from the zero star yeah. rating, it's like, well, yeah, it's, <laughs> that, that's exactly what it's supposed to be. It's done its job. Yeah. But that's it. You know, maybe, ever... maybe, yeah, maybe you're right. Like, you know, you should try it. Yeah, you, you, mm. should, you should give it give it a try. Like maybe maybe you don't like cucumbers, mm. but maybe 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 that's the sound might change your mind that cucumbers can be in a beer. Yeah, well, this is it, and I think that's the if I try something, I don't pan it on on taps because I go in something knowing that I don't like it, and if I don't like it, it's not fair that I give it none or not point two five because that's not that's not fair because I'm not giving it a fair crack of the whip. But uh, yeah, some people I mean, use un, untapped in I, that way, don't they? Yeah, the I mean, I think that's fine. I think that's a totally valid way of doing it because it's. You know, for you, mm. uh, you know, taste is such a personal, like, subjective yeah, thing. Subjective, like, isn't it? Yeah. Um, that's why I, I, I kind of view those kind of beer rating things, like rate beer and untap that from the other side, in that I think it's a bit of a, a folly to view them as this kind of uh, empirical, like, database of the best, what is the best beer, you know, because. Mm it's different for everybody like it really is i guess you can say oh this is a good example of a certain style but to mm. say to say categorically this beer here is a 99 out of 100 but this beer here is only at 89 so this 99 bit is a better beer i you know it's mm. so it's so it's so personal taste yeah yeah uh, yeah yeah 100 100 mate i'm conscious of um what time we've got left paul but we do have a um a second beer that we'll we'll briefly touch on, um, oh, yeah, as well sure. as the as a Zatziki one. As uh, this is the one that we we are lined up is your uh, Baziki sour, your uh, Basil inspired sour, <laughs> which, um, it, like you say, probably needs no introduction. And it, you know, much like the last one, it probably does exactly what it says on the tin. But is this just as simple as it sounds? It is a Berliner Weisse, pretty much in the same genetic modification or build up, but just using basil instead of cucumber and mint. Uh, yes, uh, hold on one second, because I've been talking too much and I haven't been drinking my beer, so I'm just going to down the <laughs> so I can pour the basil. Okay, the no worries. One second. <laughs> yeah, not uh, a problem. I don't know, this might be the time when you play like a, a commercial. Yeah, dance. like a uh, little lift music. So yeah, Baziki. First, I want to apologise for the name, Baziki. Mm. I suggested it as a joke in like uh, in one of our pro- <laughs> one of our production meetings. Like it was just gonna, we were just gonna call it like you know basil sour or something mm. like that. And I was like, oh maybe you know it's just we should call it baziki rather than satziki. And everyone went, oh ho, ho, that's good. And then two weeks later, like you know, I'm getting the bottling machine set up and these labels turn up and say baziki. I'm like, no, that was a joke. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so too late. Go. Yeah, it's too late now. Yeah, no. So it's um, it's kind of like a, but the base recipe is basically the satsuki sour. So it's the same kind of malt bill. Uh, we sour it the same way, like using the using the yogurt. But there's a beer that I've been in love with for years, uh, which is uh, called Spontane Basil. By uh, it's a collab between Michela and uh, Lindemans, uh, okay. the Belgian mm. brewery. Um, and they did when was it yeah it's about six or seven years ago i think it came out and they did like a series of these collabs and it was spontane and then something it was like spontane basil a spontane 
cassis or something it was like black current and they did like a few different ones and the mm. the basil one just i absolutely fell in love with it it was the basil and it was so fresh and like and zingy um and again that's a flavor that you don't really think of as working particularly well like in a mm. beer because it's you know um and this bit it didn't try to it didn't try, sort of try to do anything clever it was just a really well made like kind of like lambic beer with a fuckload of like basil in it you know <laughs> it was really overpowering and really yeah. in your face and I, I just loved it um so i kind of i've always 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 wanted to do a beer that kind of like had a bit of a nod like towards yeah. that maybe like a little bit of a tribute towards it mm. um so yeah, this was it. I thought, yeah, like, why not? Why not let's do like a version of Satsuki, but use the use the basil kind of rather than the mint. Um, yeah, yeah. So there's no, there's no cucumber in this. It is literally just uh, straight up a whole load of basil, like mm. kind of like dumped in uh, the secondary. Mm. Well, m my wife and me are, are opposite. She sees, whereas I love basil mm. and she doesn't. So we're opposite. So the cucumbers, what we are with the basil and that I've only ever come across basil in a beer once before, and I think it was Brass Castle that did like a pizza beer. That had like mm. um, tomatoes, and I think it was there was a. They had, I'm sure they had basil in that as well, and that came through. But that is, you know, like you say, you can as soon as you smell that, that is just fresh basil straight in mm. there, isn't it? It's just super, super in your face. Which for for Anna, she she'll probably hate it, but for me as a, like, I love the if you got basil as a as a herb going in the kitchen, I just love that whiff of basil that you get when you enter the kitchen each time. Oh, and that yeah, is so just that is just yeah. <clears throat> In the same in the same way as the tzatziki, I, again more so given my sort of aversion to cucumber, not in that sense, but this I could, again it's got that lightness, that cleanness, that crispness, a bit of, touch a bit of dryness again from that yogurt, but that basil flavour just sits there for, mm. for a very very long time, which is very nice. Yeah, I just love, it. and this is the first time I've tried it since we bottled it, which was like a month, a month or so ago. So is this is this the first time that you guys is this the first time that you guys have done this one then is this a pretty much a brand a, a brand new beer then? Yeah, this was um, uh, this was just a a brewer's like artistic whim, you might mm. say a bit of artistic brewer's whimsy. Uh, I just yeah I thought oh I, yeah let's just make a sour beer and stick as much basil as we can in it and there we go. Um, yeah, almost like the kind of the opposite, you know, I was saying about the satsuki where I kind of I kind of meticulously kind of like planned it all out and had ideas of what I wanted to taste mm. like. This one was like the opposite of that. The, the, the idea was, hey, there's this beer that I like that has loads of basil in it. I just want, want to make a beer and stick loads of basil in it and see what mm. it tastes like, you know. <laughs> so it's like the, the complete opposite, like sort of approach. Um, yeah, I'm... Mm. And where, where did you where did you come across enough basil to do it? Did you have to buy like a wholesale amount of basil to chuck in it? Or yeah, yeah. I mean, well, I mean, being in London, um, we've got like a, quite near us is a new Covent Garden market, which is a, okay. like a mass a massive, great big like a mm. uh, like a wholesale kind of fruit, vegetable, like fish, everything there. Um, yeah, we just got a supplier down there and just uh, ring them up and uh, say, oh yeah, can, can I get? <laughs> I don't call them up very often. I never call them up when we when we're making like a sour beer, mm. uh, and I literally just ring them up and say, "Oh yeah, it's Paul uh, down at Orbit. Uh, can we have a delivery tomorrow morning?" And they're like, "Yeah, what, what do you want?" And I'm like, uh, 80 kilos of cucumbers and <laughs> like uh, ten kilos of uh, mint, please." Mm. And they're like, "Okay, they don't ask any questions." <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, yeah. The fewer yeah, questions, yeah. the better. The fewer exactly. questions, the better. Yeah. yeah. No, but I, I I love that. I think it's great, and I think it's great that. You know the the you've got the opposite ends of of your 
brewing a creative license almost there that there's that Zeke one was meticulously planned and the basil one was just mm. well I, I just want to make a, a basil beer so let's just brew a beer and just chuck a shitload of basil in it and yeah. see how it comes out and, let, and let's see what happens so but no for, from you know from from my point of view yes it's uh, it's a very a very successful experiment mm-hmm. um, so yeah hopefully so people think, will be receptive what do you think that basil the basil basiki what do you, what would you what do you think that would pair with well like food wise because I think the satsiki you've got to go classic with that it's like you know a, a, a kind of a, a grilled like barbecue kind of like barbecue grilled like lamb sort of like kebab like mm. it just goes perfectly like what what do you what would you pair that basil with I think you'd have to go somewhere quite tomato I think you'd have to go down the stair what I was saying about the um uh, the beer that Brass Castle did almost like a peat nut sort of wanted to go sort of stereotypical say a pizza but something quite tomatoey quite maybe something like a um like a pasta dish or something that's quite tomato with mm. tomato sauce mm. or something like that quite a rich tomato sauce obviously you probably season that with basil anyway but almost tried to complement that tomato and sort of elevate it and lift it a little bit i imagine if you had that with a quite a tomato with maybe um uh, bolognese or spaghetti meatballs or something i imagine that might mm. be quite quite complementary almost yeah maybe i think maybe um yeah i like that idea maybe something like um what you call it uh the Oh, uh, that's, uh, arabiata sauce. That mm. is like a tomato and like chili. Yes, like, yeah, yeah. yeah. So I don't that that wouldn't have basil in it. So then the maybe the basil from the beer would kind of almost like you'd be like, oh, I wish there's mm. a bit of basil in this sauce. And like, doink, you get it in there. Yeah, yeah, supplement yeah, like, it in a different way. Yeah, mm. no, I think and I think that's a that's a that's a separate podcast entirely. Is beer and food pairings, but I think <laughs> I think that's a very underexplored market and something that could be. Uh, very very heavily explored and utilized a lot more and i think that would be quite an interesting uh like you say interesting experiment going like sort of grilled meats or cooked meats with the tzatziki and then going something a bit more classic with the uh with the baziki mm. i think that would work uh work very well but maybe i have to do a food and pairing night maybe that'll be the next uh mm. the next thing if you get any street food guys down maybe try and pair the uh, menu around the beers and see mm. what see what you can come up with then you might yeah. end up with all sorts of food flavor beers then that's just the the world's the world's your oyster there mate isn't it when you sort of start you up at the door it's you can absolutely yeah i mean that's the thing you know like i said that's that's where i get influence from and inspiration from is like mm. you know f- like flavors in food they can translate can they can translate really well like into into beers as well mm. we've got yeah. one coming up um in tank at the moment actually which uh uh, another kettle sour that we've done that I want to kind of get like a kind of uh, like a kind of apple pie kind of spiciness Ooh. kind of like going on to it because mm-hmm. um, yeah we fermented it using like a, a, a yeast that's kind of given it this very almost like a you know you get some Belgian saisons that have like a really fruity kind of almost like apple kind of like uh, esters uh, almost and yeah things, that's yeah. the kind of esters and it's got these really strong like apple esters so I'm like oh wow like maybe Maybe we could like actually add some like apple pie spice, you know, a bit of cinnamon, <laughs> a bit of ginger, maybe a touch of nutmeg and stuff. And mm. uh, so we're putting we're putting in some lactose milk sugar to sort of bulk it up and give it a bit of kind of creamy body to it, and this kind of apple pie spice to go with these apple esters. So mm. who knows? It might work. It might yeah, not yeah. work the space. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, if it does work, I look forward to it coming out. I'll definitely want to jump on board on that, mate. Certainly, but it's that again. It's that whole beauty of this world is that jump on board give it a go and is there anybody out there that doesn't like apple pie really is the when you think about it if there are then i don't want to know those people surely do you know yeah. what i mean but it's 
yeah no I, I, well I'm, I'm sure i'm sure if like in a month's time i log on to untap there'll be a review that's like apple pie sour i fucking hate apple pie <laughs> yeah Mr. Minus, <laughs> minus five stars yeah <laughs> but no i uh hope fingers crossed it turns out well fingers crossed mate but um Thank you. i think that i think that pretty much brings us to the end of the uh, end of the show paul and, and thank you very very much for uh, joining me and uh, sharing a couple of beers and, and having a chat about all things orbit and indeed oh, your yeah. brewing history and uh, and career but before we do end the call where can people keep up to date with what's going on at orbit and and what what is coming up in in the brew schedule and when it's available uh yeah so uh you can We've got an online shop, so you can buy our beer direct from the brewery from, uh, if you go to orbitbeers.com, mm-hmm. uh, got an online shop there. Um, yeah, our Twitter and Instagram is probably the best place to keep up with what we're brewing, uh, which is uh, at orbitbeers. Uh, and if you want to follow what I'm doing, uh, it's at Marshall Stacks. Uh, I'm on Twitter as well. Quite often post like uh, ridiculously pretentious, like arty selfies from the brewery. Uh, <laughs> although I, uh, I went a bit off piece recently and rather than tweeting about brewing, I live tweeted the Eurovision Song Contest final uh, whilst I was drunk. So you can expect things like that as well. That, I, I wish I'd have, I wish I'd have seen that, Mike. So I, uh, I was at a wedding for the actual uh, Eurovision, so I had to uh, watch it on catch up. But I am partial to uh, to the Eurovision myself, so uh, I, uh, I'll raise a glass to you on that. Yeah, I wish <laughs> I'd uh, been there to witness it, mate. But uh, mm. but no, Paul, thank you very much for uh, joining. And please, people, if they want to keep up to date with Orbit, please do go to the website and order some yeah. beers. I can uh, hire and yeah, them and pop into our tap room as well. If you if you if you're ever in London, um, Stephen. Pop into our tap room uh, down in Woolworth. Uh, and yeah, yeah. Sort you out well, Lond- London's on the agenda once everything's settled down for sure. Once once we've got the little one and world's yeah. gone back to whatever normal might be. But yes, if uh, if we're ever about in that neck of the woods, I'll be uh, I'll be sure to pop in. But uh, but Excellent. no, Paul, thank you very much, and I'll uh, right. speak to you soon. Yeah, thanks a lot. Thanks for having us. And if you need if you need any uh, help with that article you're writing, just get in touch, and I'll yeah, will do. Excellent, mate. Perfect. Thank you very much. Cheers. Thanks, man. Welcome back, and once again, huge thanks to Paul for joining me. I hope you enjoyed the show despite its delay in launching, and enough certain that once I eventually venture down to London on a beer adventure or a beer trip, Orbit will be one of the breweries that I make sure that I visit. If you want to find out more about Orbit for yourself, just search Orbit Beers on Instagram and Twitter, but they also have a web shop if you fancy ordering some beers direct to your door. Thanks for listening as always, and any feedback is welcomed, so please do send any to pointsofbrew at gmail.com or please do give me a message or send me a message on any of my social media channels. But until next time, bye for now.